Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Jamie, and I'm with Seeking Hope in Christ Ministries. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into a, a series called Rediscover Christmas, Good News and Troubling Times. And of course, week one, we're going to begin with hope. Christ has come with hope, peace, joy, and love. Christ has come to change our world and us forever. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging, especially in the times we are in today. Let's begin with the Word of God. Luke 2, 22-38 Then it was time for their purification offerings, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus present the baby Jesus to the Lord as a law as the law required Simeon was there he took the child in his arms and praised God saying sovereign Lord now let your servant die in peace as you have promised have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people he is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. And a prophet was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had only been married seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was walking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She walked about the child to everyone. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Romans 8, 24 through 26. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something, we don't have it yet. We must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Lord, thank you for this series. Thank you for hope, peace, joy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for this season. Thank you for being here through all these uncertain times. And thank you for the, the word of God, the hope through any circumstances. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, we're going to begin Advent 
week one with uh, hope um, in our rediscovering Christmas uh, theme this week, finding hope in our uncertainties. You remember, um, or even currently, these times where we've sat down with friends and relatives over the holidays or just over a meal or just having coffee or just in general just hanging out and and, and talking. Um, each generation has its uh, remember when or, or where were you when questions and and every again every generation has its where were you when question about some kind of major event going on in your lives. And, you know for instance where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon or where were you when JFK or Martin Luther King was shot and killed, or um, President Reagan? Um, of course, all these things probably predate most of us, but not all of us. But we have our own in our time. For instance, where were you when you heard about Columbine? Or the first desert storm invasion? Or... The great terror attacks on New York City that brought down the Twin Towers on 9-11. Yes, some of these uh, examples do predate, predate many of us. But we all have a new one in common we can share. Where were you when you first realized the coronavirus was real? I think the word of the day, or maybe the word of the year, is unprecedented. That's what we hear on a daily basis. These are unprecedented times. This is unprecedented weather. This is unprecedented election. We've not seen these things. And the truth is, moments like these are big. They change things. There's no going back. Major cultural shifts. Our lives are never the same. Unfortunately, many of these tend to be the negative events and catastrophes and tragedies. They strike with no warning and introduce a new sense of uncertainty into our lives. If it's sounding pretty familiar, well, welcome to 2020. Man, this has been some year. Has there ever been a year like this in times that you can remember? I mean, I for me, this probably ranks in the top 10 of unexpected years. Any unexpected happenings and certain events due to ongoing uncertainty. This has got to be the top, the top one. This has to be number one out of top ten crazy odd years and things that are going on. You could literally write a movie about this, and it probably will be one someday. And can write that movie straight out any headline that you read. Either that, the headlines come straight out of the movie itself. You know, you know what's on the list. We've all been living in almost a full year now. Global pandemic, economic recession, mass unemployment, political division, cultural upheaval, racial reckoning, record wildfires, complete with fire tornadoes, extra powerful hurricanes and floods, and now we're in a season where they're expecting lots of blizzards. If it's not the new word of the year, it ought to be. Doom scrolling perfectly fitting that this new word was added to the lexicon this year you know it's where you scroll through your news feed on social media or on your phone just summing through the headlines we all do it hopefully we've caught ourselves and learned to limit the doom scrolling before we go to bed this year is enough to sink anyone into some sort of depression 
And I'm not trying to bring us down. Really quite the opposite. But this is really, this is reality. We've all been living with for quite some time now. It's been a tough year. If there's a year, if there's every year we need a Christmas, this is it, man. If there's every year we need hope of Christmas, this is the year. If there's every year we need Christ, my friends, that year is 2020. It's truly a good thing we made it here. You know, Advent, it's nearly Christmas. This is a season of hope. Advent is all about hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate His birth, and to be alert for His second coming. Advent looks back on the celebration at the hope filled, fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when He returns for His people. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. During Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. Far too often, our Christmases have been become frenzied and overwhelmingly busy. We pack our schedules with so many seasonal happenings. Our stories start pushing Christmas decor. Our stores start pushing Christmas decorations and merchandise. I'm feeling a gift buying frenzy in late September or October now. Our season of peace is quickly overloaded as a season of stress. But Advent is an opportunity to set all that aside. Advent is time to prepare our hearts and help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for our world. It's not a season of pretending to be happy or covering up the pain or hardships we've experienced during the past year or continue to experience. It is a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent His Son into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us. It is a season of expectation and preparation and an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just a hectic season of presence. So wherever you are on your level of 2020 anxiety and uncertainty, wherever you are on your own spiritual journey, I invite you into the season of Advent. I like to even suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty and pandemic of this year, we've been given a gift. We've been given the opportunity to rediscover Christmas. So buckle in. For the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ encapsulated in his birth and the Christmas season. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And on Christmas Eve, we'll celebrate the arrival of Jesus the Christ. So today we'll be rediscovering the hope of Christmas, even when we are surrounded by uncertainty. Our teaching this week is uh, Simeon and Anna, keeping hope alive. And as we explore these themes of Advent over the next few weeks, we'll see how they relate to you and are exemplified in different characters of biblical Christmas story. But first, let's cover a little background on the times these people were living in. We think we have a bad today, but you know, so did Israel back in the days of the Bible. They can make a pretty good case during this time of Jesus when they, like much of the world, were a defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire. It was a harsh day to live in, a time of conquest and brutality. 
had been the thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the calling of God's people. It had been the thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like Assyrians and Babylonians and then the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans. It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity, promising a Messiah to make things right, to bless humans and restore all that we humans have messed up since God's perfect creation. Thank you, Jesus, for restoration. Thank you for the hope and restoration. Lord, thank you so much for this. We are a messed up society even today. We pretty much mirror the Israelites back in the day. Um, but I just want to thank you so much, God, for what you are, are doing for us and, and the hope that uh, you put in us through the Holy Spirit and the gift of salvation. The fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming of the Messiah who would come to make everything right wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of the Israelites' consciousness and culture. It was their deepest hope that sustained them and encouraged them and spurred them on, especially through thousands of years of uncertain waiting. They clung to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But how long, O God, was the cry of the ancient Israelite people, and how long can hope survive, especially under the world-changing forces of the Greek and the Roman empires, whose cultures we are still influenced by today? My goodness, is there any hope left alive anywhere? Is there any embers of hope left smoldering? We kind of feel that today too, don't we? As we see in Luke's biblical Christmas story, the answer is yes. Jesus the Messiah is born on that first Christmas. I know that's no surprise, but I tell you this because I'm going back to Luke's narrative in an unusual place. Most of the time we end our Christmas story narrative with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the, in the stable. The shepherds come and visit and go back to their flocks in the field. Sure, we sneak the Magi into the nativity scene because it's more convenient to get everybody together for one last group number in the Christmas pageant. Well, we all sing Silent Night and roll the credits. And Luke's Christmas narrative doesn't end does end the night of Jesus' birth with the shepherd's departure. Not the three kings, mind you. But the next ongoing scene in Luke's story comes right after it. And I'd like for us to look a little more closely today at that scene, and specifically its characters, Simeon and Anna. Let's go back to Luke's account that I read earlier, Luke's, Luke uh, 2, 22-38. When the time came for the period purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with that, with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts, and when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation 
which you have prepared in sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, The child is destined to cause the following and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was widowed until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were sparks of hope in Israel. More than that, they were torches of hope, expecting God to come through and do what he has promised. They believed this. They were waiting for this. And I believe we are the beacon of hope. I believe we are the light that should bring hope back to this nation and to this world as disciples of Jesus. Amen. Both Simon and Anna are likewise elders in the story. They both lived long lives. They have seen and experienced many things, both hardships for their people and pain in their own lives. We know Anna specifically has been a widow for decades in position of low social status in that culture. But we know both Simeon and Anna have remained faithful and devoted to God. They are ready to see God act and do great things. We as a people of Christ, we are ready to see the same thing. We are awaiting that blessed hope. We know that God is coming back, and he's coming back soon. We're living in those prophetic prophetic times, and there is hope, and it is in God. It is in Jesus. Did you notice in Luke's account that neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that this baby, Jesus, is the long-promised Messiah? Today, we, are, we wear blinders. We don't see good. We just hear bad. We don't see anything. We're, we're, we're conformed to what the world wants us to see and believe. And we need to get back to Jesus. We need to stand up as Christians and, and, and proclaim the gospel. Almost everyone else in the Christmas story so far has taken a little convincing about the whole arrangement. Granted, many of the others had an angel appear with a heavenly announcement and it caught them off guard, if not made them completely terrified at first. Maybe God knew Simeon and Anna might just have heart attacks on the spot if the angel appeared, but I think it's more than that. I think God didn't need an angel to get the message to these two faith giants. They were ready. They were tuned in, waiting, watching, listening, and expecting. They were filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. Day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully, inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work. Even though they didn't see it, even they were surrounded by hardships, even as time passed and grew older and older, Simeon and Anna still held on to hope and they fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping Him, serving Him, 
serving others, taking one step faithfully at a time as they waited. Did you hear that? We need to take one step at a time faithfully. One faithful step at a time. And be patient and wait. The hope is near. Of course, God came through. This is what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. They rejoiced and celebrated and infused new hope into the people around them, including Mary and Joseph, who were still figuring out just what it meant to be the earthly parents of God's son, Jesus, the Messiah. Simeon and Anna reveal several things about hope and its power that we can take away and apply in our own lives. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe, just maybe. It's the spark in the cold darkness that catches flame. It's the flicker of the first light on a new morning. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you are in, let me encourage you not to abandon hope. Hope is still alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. Romans 8 is a well-known chapter in the Bible, but there's a section of it that often gets overlooked. In this chapter, Paul starts off clarifying that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He then explains our relationship as God's children and what it looks like to live by God's Spirit. Then he shifts to our future when God will fulfill his work in us and restore all creation. And here in verses 24 through 26, he says this, For in hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Again, let me reread that. Hope that is seen, no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? You see, hope exists before reality comes to pass. You can hope with all your heart that I really have a $100 bill in my pocket and that I might take it out and give it to you right here on the spot. You can think about it. You can expect it. You can tell yourself to keep believing that it is going to happen. You can hope that it will be you'll be $100 richer walking away after this. But as soon as I give you the $100 bill, hope is done. There's no need for it. You can't keep hoping it will happen because it already has. Now you can, now you can hope I'm really going to let you keep it. Just kidding. Now you can accept it as a fact of reality that already happened. But hope precedes our present reality. Hope, by its very nature, exists in the uncertainty before it. It exists in questions and doubts even, in that unclear sense of what is to come. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. Now, I included the beginning of verse 26 in Romans, reading it because I think it's vitally important. 
in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, because that leads us into our second point. God is with us, here, now, and always. With God is no uncertainty. God knows your pain and challenges and struggles. He was not taken by surprise when a new coronavirus mutated and spread and went global. He's not surprised when the economy froze and sunk. He was not surprised when you or loved ones received the dreaded diagnosis or call in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart or shattered your world or left you confused, left you in confusion or uncertainty. He sees you and he is here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And his hope delivers this hope. He embodied and fulfilled and brought into the world so long ago his hope that he offers us today. This is not a hope he dangles before us, taunting us with it just out of our reach. It's not a hope he demands us to conjure up as we struggle in life's worst moments to achieve. No, this hope that he infuses within us is a hope filled and fanned within us by God's Holy Spirit even in our weakness, even in our grim circumstances and deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems too far away, seems too far away or impossible. And when we feel too weak to carry on, we feel our grasp slip, slipping on, even the ability to try to hope. His spirit is with us. His spirit helps us restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and promises. His spirit leads us into God's word and it reminds us of all God has done for us and all he has promised to do. Our God, our Emmanuel, who is with us, has promised his people throughout history and even us today the message of hope, including these. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not get burned. The flames will not set at you ablaze. Do you feel the hope leaping in these words? We are not alone even at our loneliest or darkest moments. Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. You see, hope inspires us to carry on. The Apostle Paul describes the cycle of hope like this in Romans 5. He explains that because of Jesus, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise God. This hope from God's Spirit does not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength to see beyond the pain and confusion in front of us. This empowering of hope reminds me of a great story from the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you remember hearing about Captain Tom? In all the doom and gloom of the pandemic, Captain Tom rose as a hero and unlikely hero at that. Tom Moore, 
now Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England, is a hundred-year-old man who single-handedly raised $40 million for the British healthcare system by walking 100 laps around his garden. That's right, just 100 laps for 100 years. What started as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate a dollar per lap, technically a pound in England, went viral. And when his daughter posted the campaign online, charity site, the news spread quickly, and suddenly this World War II veteran, gripping his walker, wearing a navy blue blazer, decorated with his military medals, walking around his garden, became their national hero. Captain Tom was an inspiration. And what an amazing story. And he says he wants to travel the world once the pandemic subsides. Hope I'm not the spry when I I hope I'm that spry when I'm 100 years old. But there's a great lesson about hope in the, his story. Listen to this, what Captain Tom told the reporters. The first step was the hardest, he said. After that, I got into the swing of it and kept on going. The first step was the hardest. Isn't that true? So many things for us. Isn't that true of hope? It can be so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for the tiny spark of hope when we feel swallowed up by our pain. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles to grasp our Lord's outstretched hands. It can feel so impossible to take the first step toward hope when we are weighted down by our burdens. But when we receive the promise of hope in God's word, we find new strength. And when we accept the power of hope granted to us in God's spirit, we find new inspiration. And when we focus on the power of hope embodied in the birth and life and death and resurrection and return and eternity of Jesus, we discover new strength to take that first step and keep on stepping and walking and maybe even running, but one step at a time. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. So what's your next step of hope today? What is your next step of hope in this Advent season? So often we humans want to see what happens tomorrow. We want to know the future. We want to skip to the end of the story. And we do know how this story ends. Our lives just don't work like that, though. It's not a privilege we've been granted, but in Christ, we have been given the end of the ultimate story. In Christ, we've been given true life that transcends the pains of earth and the brokenness of our present world. In this Advent season, we can find hope in the arrival and the life of Jesus. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness and fulfilling his long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on the hope of God's continued work in all around us. That will one day take away even the need for hope as we realize the reality of God's full restoration. And in the midst of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience the hope of God and the hope of His Spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us the strength to take the next steps before us my friends god is coming jesus is returning to this earth let's keep that hope alive let's keep the holy spirit on fire within us he is coming and he is coming soon
each step forward you take from today forward through this Advent season and beyond, do it with faith and hope. God loves you. I love you. And may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him every step of the way so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.